0: If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 29. Genesis chapter 29. We're in a series called It Takes a Village. Come on, somebody say the village. And you know, I want you to know, I'm so thankful to be connected to the village that God is assembling here at Healing Place. So grateful for the the camaraderie, for the spiritual chemistry, for the purpose of the kingdom. And uh, you know, we've said this before, I'll say it again, but you will never do the will of God all by yourself. How many of you know, man, it's about the help of God, but it's also about the, the friendship of community. Turn to your neighbor and say, I need you in my life. So we've been looking out of the book of Genesis, and we've, we've talked out of the, the family of Abraham. We've talked about uh, parenting your children. We've talked about picking your spouse. Last week, we talked about praying for your family. Today, I want to talk to you about pursuing your spouse, pursuing your spouse. Now, I know immediately those of you that aren't married are thinking, hey, is there anything in this for me? Uh, Of course there is. How many of you know God's word always speaks and he gives us what we need when we need it? And so, obviously, we're going to talk about marriage and married couples. But those that are single, maybe you're single again. Maybe you have a dream or desire to be married one day. Maybe you're, you're secure in your singleness and you've surrendered that to the Lord. I think that out of Genesis 29, there'll be some things that we talk about that are going to help all of us. And so, Genesis 29, we'll talk about pursuing your spouse. We're going to look at the life of Jacob, a little different than Abraham and Isaac. We'll compare and contrast some things. But look at the, the life of Jacob when it comes to pursuing. Your spouse. Look at verse 9 in Genesis chapter 29. The Bible says Jacob was still talking with them when Rachel arrived with her father's flock, for she was a shepherd. And because Rachel was his cousin, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and because the sheep and goats belonged to his uncle Laban, Jacob went over to the well and he moved the stone from its mouth and he watered his uncle's flock. Then Jacob kissed Rachel. I've memorized that in about three different translations. Jacob kissed Rachel and he wept aloud and he explained to Rachel that he was her cousin on her father's side, the son of her aunt Rebecca. So Rachel quickly ran and told her father Laban. Now this is an interesting passage here. And I want to read a a couple more verses out of this chapter, but we'll see the the biblical context and try to translate, you know, to the present day context. There's some things that work and some things that were specifically customary for that ancient day. But what we see here, Jacob, the Bible says he traveled a long distance. Now, if you remember, Isaac didn't leave the promised land, but Abraham told his servant, I want you to go and find a wife for my son. Jacob very differently. He goes on foot. He travels over 450 miles on foot. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's a long way. Come on, it's like traveling from here, walking from here to Dallas. I mean, no, man, love will cause you to do crazy things. 500 miles. I would walk 500 miles. And I would walk 500 more just to be. Okay, anyway, you get the idea. He falls in love with his cousin. Now, I don't recommend that you marry your cousin. Turn to your neighbor and say, That's weird. Unless you're from Alabama, then it's normal. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. There's just some bitterness in my heart from last night's game. Okay. Unless you're from Mississippi, then too. I'm just teasing. Okay, God bless Mississippi. I do see some Mississippi State fans in the house. There will be immediate prayer after service for you. (laughs) Jacob falls in love with his cousin. Now, and it's what an interesting thing. He, he takes this, they're, they're all gathered at this well. There's a rock, a big old heavy rock that's covering this well. The well was kind of the center of community activity. And at the end of the day, shepherds would bring their flocks. They would bring sheep and goats and, and they would bring their cattle and they would water the flock. But they had to wait for everybody to get there. Well, Jacob sees this beautiful girl, Rachel, and so he wants to show off for her. Fellas, how many of you, you caught the eye of your wife and you had to flex to do it? Oh, yes, indeed. So he lifts this big, heavy rock off of the well. He's showing off for this beautiful girl named Rachel. And then the scripture says that he lifts the stone. He embraces her. He kisses her on the mouth and he weeps. How many of you feel in the drama right about now? This is your Bible. I'm not making this stuff up, people. Look what it says, verse 16. Now Laban had two daughters. Everybody say two daughters. The older daughter was named Leah. The younger was Rachel. There was no sparkle in Leah's eyes. I want you to underline that phrase in your Bible. No sparkle in Leah's eye. When you think about your spouse, do you see a sparkle in their eye? There was no sparkle in Leah's eye, but Rachel had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. Now, the Hebrew translation of that is basically this. She was fine. She was hot. She had a beautiful, beautiful figure and a lovely face. Since Jacob was in love with Rachel, he told her father, I'll work for you for seven years if you'll give me Rachel. I'm still working for my Rachel. I'll work for you for seven years if you give me Rachel, your younger daughter, as my wife. Verse 19, agreed, Laban replied. I'd rather give her to you than to anyone else. Stay and work With me. So Jacob worked seven years to pay for Rachel. Now, this was unusually long. In biblical customs, they would work maybe a year or two, but his commitment to work seven years said something about his passion for this young lady. The scripture says Jacob worked seven years to pay for Rachel, but his love for her was so strong that it seemed to him but a few days. Mm -mm. Come on, hum at me this morning. Are you feeling the love? How many know love will motivate you to do some crazy things? Sometimes in the natural, it appears to be a sacrifice, but when you love as much as you do, it is no sacrifice. Seven years seemed like a long time to pursue this young lady, but for Jacob, his love for her was so great that it just seemed to him but a few days. Did you know that the, the male horsefly? can fly up to speeds of 90 miles an hour when pursuing a female horsefly. Come on, somebody say the pursuits. Talking about pursuing your spouse. He said, Laban, I'll work for you for seven years. And he worked hard. He worked long, seven years, but it seemed to him as just but a few days because his love was so great. Verse 22, so Laban invited everyone in the neighborhood and prepared a wedding feast. But that night when it was dark, Laban took Leah to Jacob, and he slept with her. Laban had, a, had given Leah a servant, Zilpah, to be her maid. But when Jacob woke up in the morning, he didn't find Rachel. He found Leah. What have you done to me? Jacob raged at Laban. I've worked seven years for Rachel. Why have you tricked me? Somebody say, my, my, my. Now, this is the scriptures, Okay. Uh, this is your Bible. I, I put myself in the story and I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to make sense of it. Okay, man, he worked seven years. He knew the love of his life, Rachel. The Bible says she had a lovely figure and a beautiful face. And so his father in law arranges this, this wedding feast and celebration. And that night he got married to Rachel, or so he thought. But the next morning he wakes up and it's Leah. How does this happen? Can you imagine? I mean, he's up the next morning making waffles. <laughs> Into the kitchen comes Leah, and he's like, wait a second. Who are you? What just happened? He goes to his father-in-law and says, you've tricked me. You- you- you've taken advantage of me. Why have you deceived me? I thought I was getting Rachel, but I ended up with Leah. Now, let me stop right here and talk to all of the married folk. Can I do that? How many of us sometimes we step into a relationship and we've got expectations? We say I do and we want to ride off into the sunset of eternal marital bliss. But then weeks and months and maybe several years go by and you're thinking, wait a second, who are you? You're not the person I dated. You're not the person I married. We had a commitment. There was a certain expectation. Who have you become? Oh, come on now. Pastor's preaching this morning. What have you done with with Rachel? He wanted Rachel. He got Leah. What do you do when you work so hard to get a spouse, but you wake up next to the person and you don't even know who they are? I think in marriage, all of us face this same dilemma It's called unmet expectations. Laban says, listen, it's not our custom to give away the younger daughter before the older daughter. If you'll work another seven years, I'll give you what you're asking for. Look what it says, verse 28. So Jacob agreed to work seven more years years. Now let me stop right here and give you several thoughts when it comes to pursuing your spouse. If you're taking notes, write down this first thought and it may be the most important thing we talk about today. Number 1, it takes work to make it work. And all the married people said. Amen. Now listen, if you're saved and you're single and you're searching, please learn something from those of us who are married. The work you put into building a relationship, it will require the same work After you get married. You see, Jacob, he worked seven years to get to the marriage altar. He was disappointed in what he got, and he had to work another seven years to get what he wanted. Now, here's the interesting thought in preparing for this, I saw this. The the relationship with Leah. It represents a relationship of mediocrity, a relationship of, of, hey, I'm just comfortable, I'm just coasting, I'm just getting by. Some of us in our marriage, we've settled for Leah when God says, no, 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 I intend to you, I intend for you to live with Rachel. There's something better that I have for you in your marriage, but it's going to take work. It takes work. Uh, Anything worth having is worth working for. And if you're going to have a great marriage, you can't coast your way in it and expect to have the best out of it. Are you with me this morning? He had to work seven more years. You know, sometimes we put a lot of investment up front in the dating, in the pursuit. But then once we get married, it's easy to just drift. How many of you know you get comfortable in your marriage? And then when you get comfortable, you get lazy in your marriage. When you get lazy, it's easy to get selfish in your marriage. And when you're selfish in your marriage, you are destroying, you're eroding what God is trying to build. Because selfish people don't like to sacrifice. And if you're going to work, it's going to require you to sacrifice. Are you with me? I know this is tough, but I I feel so strongly. God wants our marriages to be healthy. He wants them to be full of passion. He wants them to be life-giving. He wants you to marry Rachel. And you say, Mike, well, I didn't marry Rachel. Well, listen, you can invest in your marriage and turn your Leah into a Rachel. I'm not satisfied with who I've married. And so we look for an exit. And God says, no, no, exit is the easy way out. I want you to put some work into it. I want you to invest some time, put some effort into it. You know, we have a daily choice as husbands and wives. We can love our spouse like they're a Rachel or we can live with them like they're Leah. You can either love them or you can live with them. Uh, loving requires work. It requires sacrifice. The, the things that you once did in a dating relationship, why do you stop doing them in your marriage? In fact, as I was preparing, I thought about this, and I've heard this several years ago. How many of you have ever heard of the 80-20 rule? 80-20. Raise your hand if you've heard of 80-20. 80-20. And, and, and here's kind of how it works. If I can talk, uh, you know, along these lines in the terms of marriage relationship, 80-20. 80-20 rules something like this. We want somebody who gives us 100%. We deserve 100%. We demand 100%. We want 100% from our spouse. We want 100% uh, from our jobs. We want 100% from our kids. We want 100% from our pastor. We expect 100%. Never mind the fact that we're not 100%. How many of you know there was only one person who ever walked the face of the earth that was 100%? And his name was? Jesus. And compared to Jesus, all of us fall short. We're not 100%. In fact, the best that you're going to get from somebody is about 80%. All right, turn your neighbor and say, I'm an 80. Now, 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 listen, we, we, we want 100. We expect 100. Never mind the fact that we're about an 80. We can't necessarily give 100 what you have to go into the marriage say, and I'm not saying don't be fully committed. Of course, be fully committed. But understand that your humanity, that your flesh is going to be less than. Okay? Because a lot of times, you know, when marriage doesn't turn out the way we want it to, then we start to blame. We get disappointed. We look at that person that's not 100%. All of a sudden, watch this. If you're 80%, but you want 100%, the devil's going to send somebody that's 20%. You say, Mike, that 20, that's not a big deal. Listen, 20 may not seem like a big deal to you, but when it's the 20 that you're not getting, that 20 looks bigger than the 80. And I've seen couples who would leave the 80 to chase the 20. Come on now. Somebody say 80-20. Maybe somebody left you in a marriage relationship. 80-20. 80-20. Look, I'm giving my best, but I know I'm probably about 80. 20 seems larger than the 80 when it's the 20 you're not getting. So we leave the 80, we chase the 20, and when we get the 20, we're not satisfied with it because we had to let go of the 80 to get the 20. Listen, 20 may be enough to draw you, but it's not enough to keep you. That's why all of you that are single, you need to go to the date and you need to say, I'm probably going to be about 80% of what you need. (laughs) But are you mature enough in your life at this point in your development to subsidize your life with friendships and relationships? Because I I can be your something, but I can't be your everything. Listen, Jesus Christ is the only 100%. And so we got to be satisfied with Christ and Christ alone. Is this making sense? But it takes work. We've got to make a decision. We're going to work at the relationship. That's why for for us as a church, this is so important. Healthy marriages and healthy families, for you to be alive on the inside, we want to uh, equip you to be healthy in your home. That's why we have a marriage class. I'm so excited about this fall. We've kicked off a series of classes. We've got a marriage class that some of you need to get involved in. And this is not necessarily that we say, Mike, my relationship is fine. Well, listen, if you want to go to the next level, Get in a marriage class to be resourced, to be equipped so you can raise your game in your marriage. How many of you know we always have room to grow? So get in a marriage class this fall. Make a commitment to invest in your relationship. You know what's crazy? You know what's insane? That you can't get a driver's permit without taking a class. But you can get a marriage license for $27.50. Come on now. Isn't that crazy? Why won't we invest in our marriage? Take a class, learn, grow, enlarge. It takes work to do the work. Can I have a good amen? So we've got a marriage class this fall. Guess what we're going to do next month? I want to invite all those married couples. And if you're engaged, you need to come to our marriage conference. The the last weekend of October, Rick Bizet and his wife, Michelle, they're going to be with us. We're going to have so much fun. We're going to learn and grow together, but you need to mark your calendars. In fact, get ahead of the game. Jump ahead. We've got an early bird special. Invest a weekend into your marriage. I promise you it will have a return that will blow your mind. Are you with me? Somebody say it takes work. It takes work to make it work. Now, here's number two, the second thing when it comes to pursuing your spouse. Be willing to invest the work, but then watch this. It's not about emotion. It's about devotion. Devotion, not emotion. A lot of times when we counsel married couples, and maybe those that are struggling, nine times out of ten, they, they, they talk to me about how they feel. Well, we fell in love, but I, I, I don't feel it anymore. Can I tell you something about feelings? Be very careful with feelings. Feelings will help you start things, but they don't help you finish things. Are you with me? Sometimes we make a decision in moments where we feel it. But when that feeling's gone, then we've got the responsibility to walk through that commitment. Feelings will help you start things, but rarely will they help you finish things. Be careful of emotions and making decisions simply on the barometer of emotions. You know, when Rachel and I were dating, man, when we got married, man, you we were running off to the honeymoon, brother, it was just full of emotions and feelings. It was fantastic. I can't fight this feeling anymore. And then you've been married for about 20 years and you're like, I can't find this feeling anymore. You know, I mean, think about it. F- feelings, they're never there when you need them to be. And they always show up when you don't want them. Come on now, can I have a better amen? Amen. You see, we don't make a, a, a commitment in marriage based on a feeling. Isn't there a difference between contract and covenant? On July 27th, 1996, in that building on the front of the property, Rachel and I, we held hands and we stared deeply into each other's eyes and we made promises, not just to each other, but to God. I said, for better or for worse, For richer or for poor, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. How many of you know feelings don't get a vote in that one? Because there are some days when it's not better, it's worse. Some days it's not richer, it's poor, especially when you got kids. (laughs) Some days it's full of sickness and you struggle to find health. But when you make a promise to God, then you say, okay, feelings, I understand what you're saying. Feelings, you may have the first word, but you're not having the last word. You know, we can't please God if we simply live by how we feel. You see, feelings will locate where you are, but faith will locate where God is. So guess what we do in a marriage? We recognize our feelings. Feelings are good indicators, but they're not good instructors. Does that make sense? Feelings can locate where you are. Okay, I recognize if I'm happy or if I'm sad or if I'm upset or if I'm confused, if I'm angry, if I'm troubled. We have the God-given capacity to feel. But we've got to deepen our commitment in marriage to go beyond the way we feel because sometimes marriage will require you to do things that your flesh just doesn't want to do. Oh, it's getting quiet up in this church. When your alarm clock goes off, how many of you, your feelings talk to you? Is your bed not the most comfortable right before you're supposed to wake up? Oh, it's just so warm and comfortable and cozy. Man, there's that. If you had a baseball bat next to your bed, feelings would say, just swing for the fences. Right. But you know what? If I listen to my feelings, I'm not getting out of bed. I'm just going to stay right where I am. You know, if you've made a decision to try to be healthy in your body. You know, the other day we were with some friends and, you know, I looked at a menu and man, I just saw all kinds of stuff on this menu. And my feelings were saying, get the fried chicken, (laughs) the fried chicken. Man, I I felt like it was a fried chicken kind of day. But then I remembered my cholesterol level. Right. Now, there's some days I go through the drive through at Chick-fil-A and I'm like, man, I want that 12 count nuggets with a large waffle fries Double the Polynesian and throw in some sweet tea and it's like heaven. Feelings say get the 12 count nuggets. But, you know, you you can't put your feelings in the driver's seat or you'll end up in a bad place. Are you with me? I always feel like praying. I don't always feel like coming to church. But you know what? I got to say feelings. I recognize you, but I'm not living by you. I can't talk to you about the number of couples that we counsel. That us say, well, you know, I'm just not happy in my marriage, and God wants me happy. Can I tell you what God wants from you? He wants faithfulness. You say, but doesn't he want happiness? Let me show you how this works. If you pursue faithfulness, you get happiness. But if you chase happiness, you won't get either. You won't get faithful and you won't get happy. Come on, are you with me? Now, I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty, okay? This is not about guilt. But I think we've, we, we've bought the lies of culture for too long. And we've given ourselves an out and says, well, if I'm not happy and we can convince ourselves that God wants our happiness more than anything. Listen, God says, if you'll pursue faithfulness, I'll give you something that money can't buy. If you'll plow through your feelings, and, and walk by faith. Come on. Somebody say devotion. Devotion, not emotion. This is so important. The third thing, number three. Are you catching this today? Talking about pursuing. It, it takes work to make it work. Let's invest the work. L- let's be committed regardless of feelings, let's plow through feelings and let's walk by faith. But here's the third thing, and I think this is important. You say, Mike, this isn't spiritual. I think this is practical, and this could be a, 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 a small hinge that opens a giant door in your marriage. Number three, fun is not a luxury. It's a necessity. you got to make sure you got some fun in the relationship. Turn to your neighbors and ask them. Say, am I fun to be with? Come on, ask them right now, right now. Lean over. Am I fun to hang out with? Some of you are afraid to ask because <laughs> you're afraid of what you're going to find out, right? And t- t- tell him. Do, do you like hanging out with me? You see, listen, no one falls in love having a bad time or being bored. Come on, talk to me, church. You got to be intentional about having fun in your marriage. You say, but Mike, we, 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 we don't have time for fun in our marriage. If you don't make time for fun in your marriage, you won't have a marriage. Got to enjoy yourself. Here's the three kinds of fun, okay? Th- three kinds. Let me give you some simple, step-by-step, practical points, okay? Three kinds of fun in every marriage. First of all, it's face-to-face. Everybody say face-to-face. What is this? This is talking. This is communication. We- we've got to learn how to talk. Remember when you dated? and you talked for hours. I can remember Rachel and I being on the phone till like two o'clock in the morning. (sighs) I just want to hear her breathe, you know? what'd y'all talk about? Oh, nothing. Oh, everything. You know, you just, I mean, communication was easy when you dated, but something happens, you get married and then you have children and you've got bills and you've got responsibilities and the only thing you communicate is about the family schedule. Right? Well, I got, did you pick up the kids today? Oh, i got to take them to dinner. The well, listen, I told you i got to work late today. And you're trying to navigate the family enterprise and your communication, it's only about facts. It's not about feelings. It's not about hopes. It's not about dreams. you got to learn how to talk again. When you talk, you remind yourself of how you fell in love and what you love about one another. I've told you this, but you know, Rachel and I, we've been married for over 21 years. We've dated four years, long distance and long distance relationship. And we had to learn how to communicate from long distance. Now this was before cell phones. This was before the internet. This was before FaceTime and Facebook, and you couldn't email each other. You know what we did? We would have to handwrite letters. I've told you this. We would have to take a pen and put it to paper, and we would write letters. We would fold that letter up and put it in something called an envelope with a stamp. Kids, there's a thing called a stamp. All right. There's, there's something called the U.S. Postal Service. And you put a stamp on that envelope and you send it in the mail. And I was away at college and man, Rachel would write me those love letters. I mean, she'd spray perfume on every page. She'd seal it with a kiss. And, and so I'd go to the P.O. box and, and I would look at that letter and... My precious... And we we would communicate we we would talk back and forth she would send me a letter I would send her a letter and I found my heart falling in love with this girl I couldn't see her face, but I knew what was on the inside of her because she had written it on every page. Come on Somebody say amen Are you feeling that babe? Talk learn how to communicate again. You need to set some time aside where you can just speak to each other face-to-face. Watching TV, driving your kids to events, or trying to talk while you play on your cell phone, that does not count. Everybody say communication. Communication. That's face-to-face. The second kind of fun is side-to-side, side-to-side. If face-to-face is communication, side-to-side is recreation. We got to play together you got to do some fun stuff together. Listen, make a decision to step into one another's world. Okay? Ladies, his world is about working out. Go work out together. His world is about football. Go to a game together. His world is about golf. It's about fishing. It's about hunting. Go to the camp. Get get in the boat with him. Spend time together. Come on, fellas. Am I helping anybody here? Yes, indeed. I'm like, preach. Preacher. Ladies, step into his world. Fellas, you got to step into her world. She likes to take walks. Walk with her in the neighborhood. Get your nails done. She's into HGTV. Get into it with her. Go get spray tans. I'm just teasing. Don't do that. Don't do that. Listen, Rachel and I, back in July, when we celebrated 21 years, we went to Dallas and so we go to Dallas and she wants to go to market. She wants to go to market. Okay, I, that's exactly what I wanted to do for 21 years of anniversary celebrating. I had no idea they got buildings that are like 27 stories and it's filled with stuff. And we looked at furniture all day. Signed up, got a little badges. Here we go for six hours. Every floor, floor 14, floor 14, come meet me, floor 14. We're looking at all this furniture and so what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Yeah, I like that. I like that. Ooh, that looks good. I'm learning her language. Okay, now I'm saying, okay, I, I like the muted tones of the color of that couch. <laughs> Saw what I did there? Oh, the, the, the texture of that just makes it pop. <laughs> you see, I'm, I'm learning her language. You know, I'm trying to go in it with her and be like, yes, okay. That, oh, when, you, when you put that rug in, it softens the room. It's so- Am I good, babe? Hey, I listen to you. It softens the room. Finally, after six hours, I'm like, girl, I need to go watch a war movie. You want, you want to go eat some barbecue? Let's do something. We're in Texas for crying out loud. Come on, can I have a good amen? Somebody say, Communicate. Say recreate. recreate. Oh, you got to have fun in this thing. F- face to face, side to side, and the third one is belly button to belly button. <laughs> Pastor, <laughs> w- w- what, w- w- what does that mean? I, I, I just don't know. The Song of Solomon, chapter 7, verse 11. Come, my love, let us go out into the fields and spend the night among the wildflowers. Let us get up early and go to the vineyards and see if the grapevines have budded, if the blossoms have opened, and if the pomegranates have bloomed. There I will give you my love. What is that? It's like sex in the park. I don't, I don't know. Woo. Bro, it's just got warm up in this church. Do you see, fellas, do you see that? Do you see? Hey, guys, a word to the fellas, okay? You need to work on your approach, okay? Because, guys, you know, we turn everything into sex, whether it's changing a tire or cutting the grass. Come on, somebody, right? (laughs) Work on your approach. Ladies, make an approach. Preferably in silk or satin. Not in flannel, and leave the granny panties in the drawer. Yes, Lord. Some of you are like, man, I love this church. Hey, is this okay, babe? Man, we having a little fun. Yeah, happy birthday to you, girl. wildflowers and pomegranates. Come on. Listen, set a date. Get a babysitter. Go out to dinner. Light some candles. Run the bathwater. Give a little back scratch. Turn on some Luther Vandross. You say, but Mike, I got little kids. Turn on Dora the Explorer you got 30 minutes. Come on, somebody. Make an effort. Listen, those who communicate, oh, this is good, those who communicate and those who recreate, they can procreate. Come on, somebody. You see, without fun, hear me, without fun, a marriage is reduced to two people simply living together in a business relationship. Hey, he's not your roommate. He's your soulmate. You've got to, on purpose, do some things, face-to-face, side-to-side, intimacy in your marriage. If we'll invest and commit to this, I promise you, we will see life begin to grow. Does that make sense? Do you receive that today? I want to ask the man to come up. I think I've run out of time. Has this been helpful this morning? You say, but Mike, let me give you this last thought. Let me give you this last thought. You say, but Mike... I I wanted this Rachel, but now I'm stuck with Leah. What do I do? Hear me. If you're stuck, get help. If you're stuck, get help. Please, please don't stay stuck. What's this series title? It takes a village. You know what you need in your marriage? You're going to need the help of the Holy Spirit. But you're also going to need the input of godly men and godly women. You know, and some of you are single in here and you say, I'm not married, but I feel stuck. I'll tell you what, the Holy Spirit is to help people get unstuck. You know, God wants to help move you forward. I don't know the pain or the hurt or the heartache that has you stuck in that moment. But I promise you, there's enough help and hope in this moment to get you out of that situation and to move you forward. Please, please, don't give up on something that God's trying to breathe life and hope into. And and I know you feel like I talked to a lady after the first service. There may be some of you in here today. You're you're committed to the Lord, but your spouse is not. She said, Mike, I have put in all the work I know to do. He won't work. Here's what I told her, and here's what I would encourage you with. If your spouse won't work, and I know it takes two. I know it does. If they won't work, you work with God. I promise you, he's fully invested. He's fully committed. He's going to give every resource available to you to keep your heart healthy. And you just work with the Lord, and then you surrender your spouse to the hand of God. That that doesn't mean you give up on your marriage. There's a difference between giving someone up to the Lord and just giving up. Don't give up on your marriage. Surrender your spouse to the Lord, but you make a commitment. I'm going to work because it takes work to make it work. And those moments when all of hell and darkness hangs over your head and you feel like, you feel like, feelings, feelings, feel, you feel like giving up. Mm-mm, Lord, that's not an option. I, I, I recognize my feelings, but I'm going to walk by faith. I'm devoted. I'm committed. And Lord, I'm not backing out on this thing. Lord, if I've got you as my partner, I've made promises to you. I will not break those vows. I'm, in, hey, I'm not just making promises. I'm a promise keeper, not just a promise maker. Uh, Psalm 15, verse 4, the Bible says, Who will enter into the holy sanctuary of our God? Who will climb his holy mountain? Verse 4 says this, Those who keep their promises even when it hurts. Some of you, it's been pain. But God honors your perseverance in spite of that pain. And our heart for you as a church is that your marriage, your family, and your heart would be healthy. Amen? If you pursue God, He'll give you what you need to pursue your spouse. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org. Or give us a call at 225 753 Two two seven three.